We are going to um, continue, and actually this will be the last day in our sermon series um, in Proverbs. But we're continuing, and is it working for you? No? Okay. All right. There's a hearing-assisted device that works through my phone. Technology's great in that way. Um, so, uh, we're in our series on Proverbs here, uh, and today uh, I want to talk to you about parenting from the book of Proverbs. Uh, and some of you may be like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I really want to hear about parenting. Some of you may be like, my kids are grown, I just sent them off to college, and maybe you're still mourning that, I'm sure you are. Um, or maybe you're like, I don't have kids, and you know, what do I care? But it's not only directed in the direction of parents to kids, it's also directed to everybody and how we learn. I mean, I don't know if you noticed this, but um, that's kind of the theme in Proverbs is listening and learning, right? And, and learning's a big part of life, right? That school's starting, right? Or it's already started, but you're going back to school. <laughs> and so you know what that means, right? That means there's homework. Oh, man, I said a bad word. Um, homework that's going to be due for you students, right? And parents, that's even a bad word for you because you have to enforce it right? That means there's going to be projects that are due, and a child that comes to you and say, after a youth group and says, uh, Mom, I got a project due. When? Tomorrow. What period? First. What? I mean, you know, what do you do with that? You're like, well, you're, you're trying to be helpful, and you don't want to blow up at your child, and so you're being very patient. You say, well, what, what do you need? I need some cardboard or plywood, Something like that. Okay, I think I can find that in the garage. What else do you need? I need a, a, a can, a big can. Okay, we can, we'll dump out this jar, of, this can of peaches here so you can have a can. What else do you need? Plaster. I'm making an erupting volcano. I'm about to erupt on you! Like, right? That doesn't go very well. And what happens is parenting is difficult. And it obviously pushes us in different ways. It's one of the hardest jobs on the planet and probably the most important. It forms the bedrock of families and of our society. The book of Proverbs is written, as you may have noticed as we studied it, to people in their youthful days. It starts out addressed to my son. And it's not just to sons, it's to all children, but it's to those who are in their youthful days. The word listen is, is said over 20 times in the book of Proverbs, from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 31 at the very end in verse 2, where a father implores his son to listen three times to what he learned from his mother, and then communicates what he learned from his mother, which was that um, you should avoid sexual seduction, avoid addiction to alcohol, defend the poor and the needy, and find a noble wife. That's chapter 31, the last chapter of Proverbs. But there's common themes that run all the way through the book. Beware of anger in your life and how you respond, violence and fighting, sexual temptation and seduction. Honor the Lord with your money and give generously as part of Proverbs, developing a strong work ethic and not being lazy, avoiding debt which can enslave you, speaking to one another carefully with your words because words can wound. I mean, there's so many things that are good in Proverbs. And while we're not going to look at all those individual common themes today, we're going to look at the more general summary of it. The problem that we face, that you face, parents, 
is that your kids don't naturally do these things. They have to be taught to do those things. And your job description is to teach them. You might hear from your kids, I can figure it out by myself. And there's something endearing and good about that, right? Learning to be self-sufficient, independent, that's not a, a horrible thing. You might infrequently or never hear, hey, Dad, you're so wise. Would you just talk to me some more and give me some of that wisdom? I've been yearning for that. But it is your job description as a parent to sell wisdom and correction to your child even when he or she doesn't want it. It's a hard sell. (laughs) So what do you do? One of the things that we have to do is help them to see the beauty of a good life, of what God has for us. And the book of Proverbs is spelling that out for us over and over and over again. Let's just read a small portion of Proverbs today. This is chapter 8, verses 32 to 36. This is the word of God. It says, Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Spirit of God, I pray that you would help us to be able to understand your word today. Will you use it to enlighten our minds, but also move us to action, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So parents, and everybody really, as part of society, one of our jobs is to impart wisdom to kids, even when they don't want to listen. And we need to show them that it is good. So I want to talk to you, two things, two big things, imparting wisdom, and then we'll come to receiving wisdom in a few minutes. But first, imparting wisdom. How do you show that wisdom is good and beautiful? Like, how do you do that? Because when you correct, it can be just like, don't do that, do this. Okay, why? Because I said so. And yes, you have authority, and that's good to do, but how do you show it to be beautiful? It's going to take some explanation, right? As a child grows and gets older, especially in their youthful days where they're reasoning and understanding and you're trying to explain things to, to them, which is a little different than when they're two. Um, and so you're explaining things. And in our society and what the warnings of the book of Proverbs it, uh, related to like sexual seduction and the freedom to do what I want with my body, right, answers that and says the beauty of intimacy and vulnerability that is protected by covenant love is better. It protects you. It should protect you anyways from uh, abuse in that, from, from disregard, from bad things happening, from ways that you would act in which will harm you. Drug addiction, right? Drugs are a big problem. And that's a hard thing to address. But one of the things that you're trying to express is that life with limits is okay. In fact, it's good. It's wonderful. Because what we want to do growing up as people 
is be like, I don't need any limits. I'm totally free. But that's really not healthy. Right? We don't say like, I don't need any sleep. I'm totally free. I'm just going to never sleep. I'll have so much more fun. No, we need sleep because limits. We need rest. Oh, I'm never going to eat. No, limits. You need calories. Or I'm always going to eat. No, limits. You don't need that many calories. Like fish. Fish live in water, but that's a limiting thing for them. You take them out of water, it's not healthy for fish. Right? Limits are not bad things. Limits are good things. And we have to help our kids see that. Help them see that addiction is not a good thing and that it leads to dysfunction. That structure can be a really good thing in life. Even around things like screen time and and so on. The book of Proverbs talks about greed and debt. We have this consumption in our society to always have more, to always have more. More is not always better. Not always. Right? I mean, one of the repeated themes in the Bible is that God is enough for you. And if you always need more, can you at the same time say that God is enough? Be thankful for what we have, right? Learning to be generous. And, and when we are blessed, don't let money rule you because it can enslave you too, right? Being in debt and being greedy, you have the same problem. You're always concerned about money, how to get it to get out of debt or how to get more of it so you feel satisfied. And both are enslaving. Work. Proverbs talks a lot about work and not being lazy. Work is valuable, I mean, sometimes it's hard, yes, because we live in a world that's messed up and broken and we have to deal with hard things, sometimes very hard things. But work is still valuable, not just for the paycheck you get. It's valuable because it does give you dignity in life and uses your gifts in a way to help others in society. It's a way to help um, and give back, to contribute, right? So, Explaining those kinds of things to kids as they are getting older is a helpful way to try to say, look, here's the beauty of a life that is well-lived according to God's word. Right? And, and it takes more explanation than that. I understand that. But that's part of your job. is not simply to say, do it because I said so. Though kids, if your parent says, do it because they said so, you should. You're supposed to obey them. But really getting to their heart and helping them see the goal of having wisdom, which is what Proverbs is about, my son. I want you to get wisdom, pursue it, chase it, give your life to it because it will save you. You don't just want them to obey and become behavioristic Pavlovian dogs or mice that can hit the feeder. You're trying to get them to seek wisdom and all that that means. And it means a lot. And you may say, but what if my kids are different? What if I just can't do it? It's too hard. You know, my kids just, they're not the same. I, I have four kids. None of them are the same. That's often the hard thing about parenting, right? If you had this experience, you may have or may not. You have a kid and you're like, okay, we're doing okay with one. It's pretty good. Let's have another. Another kid comes and you're like, this is different. This kid is not the same. Like, I thought it was going to be an assembly line, just plop them on there. We got this figured out, the schedule of eating and feeding, and it's totally different. What is going on? And you're like, huh, we'll fix that by having another. Nope. I'm just kidding. But kids are not the same, right? Now, kids, this is important for you to hear this, because one of the things that you kids like to say to your parents, I think, 
at least my kids like to say to me, is, that's not fair. Kids, I need you to know something. You have to listen carefully. Your parents' job is not to be fair. It's not to be fair because you're not the same as your sibling. Their goal is to give you wisdom and impart that in life. And sometimes that means they will treat you a little bit differently. Now, that doesn't mean be mean and then be nice. But if one kid has to study for seven minutes and the other has to study for nine, and you're like, please sign me up for that because mine's like an hour and a half, right? There's a difference in just the amount of time it takes to get work done. So fair is not sameness. Your parents are treating you, they should treat you, in the same kind of way for the same goal. Now, that's important because every kid is different, as I said. Kids sometimes are very compliant, right? We saw this actually in verse 34 of what we read. We could put that verse on the screen again. It says, blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway, right? There's the picture of the child sitting at your feet. Oh, please shower me with your wisdom. I just, I want to listen, right? And sometimes kids are really compliant and they obey and they're like, okay, I'll do what you say. And you're like, that's nice. And it is nice, right? There's not a lot of mess from bad choices the kid has made because they're fairly compliant. But some kids are not that way. They need a little more frequent correction. Proverbs 19, verse 20 talks about that. Let's put that on the screen. It says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Now, that seems like that's geared a little bit more towards somebody who's not really ready to listen. Like, I don't know. But like, do, accept it, receive the correction because it will make you wise, right? And, and we have kids like that who are more carefree, more independent, more correction required, right? And then sometimes there's kids who are just seem to be out of control. Maybe like verse 36 of chapter 8 where it says, the warning, but those who fail to find me, that is to find wisdom, harm themselves and all who hate me love death. When you're saying, look, I don't need any wisdom and I don't need any limits or structure to my life, if you're a child that way that is so rebellious, it's not good for you. It really is highly dysfunctional and destructive in your life, right? And as a parent, if you have that case with your child, your job changes a little bit too, right? You're still loving that child, but your job sometimes gets to the point where you actually have to protect that child from himself or herself, from long-term consequences like jail or addiction that will carry on with them for years or decades, right? Sometimes you're just trying to protect the child from himself. Not only that, but you have to do that. And you might think, but I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Man, it's not easy. I don't know that I know all the answers either. But I know you don't have to do it on your own. Right? The Bible never says that you as a parent have to do everything by yourself or on your own. It gives you a church, a family to come to help with that together. God has also ordained the state, and the state can help in that with different programs that they offer. Sometimes those are very helpful. But you need a village, right? You really do. You need people to come uh, and help you with that. Of course, it also means that in all of this, it it matters how you respond to your kids. If you're going to try to impart wisdom to them, how you respond and handle that matters. If, if you respond to the kid who says, uh, yeah, my homework's due tomorrow and I haven't done it, and you respond in a fit of rage, 
Are you really imparting wisdom? Are you just demonstrating how to rage? Right? You're not really probably imparting wisdom at that point. If you tell your kid that, like, if you would just learn and be more like me and plan ahead so your life would be controlled, your homework would be done by now. That may be true, but are you imparting wisdom? If that's your repeated mantra, are you imparting wisdom or you're telling your kid you're not good enough because you're not quite like me? And are you giving them the standard that they're always trying to attain to but never able to attain to because they're never as good as you? And do they know they're loved and accepted? I mean, the truth is you don't have it all together either, right? The reason your kid is doing homework the night before it's due and a project to make a volcano is because they have procrastinated. I mean, some of you procrastinate too, right? You know, you should be doing work, but you're watching reels on Instagram or YouTube channel and you're like, oh man, I don't know what happened in the last 45 minutes, but I got work to do, right? You're not that different. We can all be distracted. We all have struggles and we need to remember that. Imparting wisdom is no easy task. But you will not be able to impart wisdom to your kids if you don't put yourself in the position to be able to receive wisdom. This is the second thing that we need to talk about, receiving wisdom. You have to receive wisdom even when you don't want to hear it, even when you don't want to listen, just like when your kids don't want to listen. You need to receive biblical wisdom. Receive wisdom from Christian friends. Look at Proverbs 27. We can put this on the screen, verse 6, and then I think it'll also be verse 9. It says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, ah, but enemies multiply kisses, right? So a friend may speak truth, and it may hurt, but it's better than the enemy multiplying kisses and lying to you. Or verse 9, The perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Right? So Proverbs, Proverbs is extolling friendship and friends that will speak advice to you that you need to hear. And sometimes the truth is hard to hear. But they will do it in a way and still be your friend and not your enemy. With kindness. You know, one of the things we like to say around here, maybe we need to say it more, is this, that truth without grace is cruelty. And grace without truth is cowardly. Like you have to give them both truth and grace. And your friends need to be able to do that with you. Right? You need friends because you need friends who can walk through life with you. Through the ups and downs, the good times and the bad times. The Christian life requires endurance. One pastor described it as a long obedience in the same direction. That doesn't mean perfect obedience. It just means, okay, that's three steps forward, four steps back, one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, one step back, two steps back, five steps forward. But it's a long obedience in the same direction. Like, okay, I'm going that way. And that requires endurance. One of of the people who attends our church, Lindy Reif, shared on Instagram the other day a great lesson that she learned from her college athletic career. And I think it's such good advice. And it struck me being a college athlete as well as true. And she said this, it is not always about the success, but the endurance through the challenges. Right? 
Like you want to win. You strive to win as an athlete. You're competitive. But in life, it's not always about that, but it is about the endurance through challenges. I just thought that makes so much sense because it makes sense not only in general for life, but for the Christian life as well, to endure, right? It's what your church is for. The church is your team, not your only team, but it's one of your teams that walks with you, helping you to endure challenges in life. We need each other in that way. We need to, you need to, I need to receive wisdom, biblical wisdom from wise Christian friends. And you also have to receive biblical wisdom from your pastors and teachers, right? And you're like, yeah, you're up there saying that. Well, but you're here listening, and so I'm thankful for that. And I'm serious in this. You do need to receive biblical wisdom from your pastors and teachers. And I want to show you a proverb that relates to it, but I also need to take just a quick tangent, a quick aside, and explain something. If you're going to look at, you're like, oh yeah, you're going to show me something what the proverb says about the preacher and, 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 or the priest or something or the pastor, and then my answer to that is no. Because Proverbs does not use the word priest or pastor. That's not what it's written from. It's written from kings or noble people to give wisdom for life and how to lead in society. And so it's written from that perspective. That doesn't mean it doesn't apply, and it does give wisdom to those who are teachers or instructors. And pastors are also teachers and instructors. So look at Proverbs 5, verses 12 to 14 with me. It says this, You will say, How I hated discipline! How my heart spurned correction! I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. You see what he's saying there? He's speaking from life experience saying, man, when you don't listen to those who are given to be your teachers in the assembly of God's people, it can bring destruction to life. Or dysfunction at least. And I know that's a hard thing to do, right? Um, right? We're modern people. We're independent people. We're taught to be free thinkers, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But we are also then distrustful at times of our leaders and the fake news that we see. And so I think in our day, it has made us generally more skeptical of leaders, society, societal leaders, institutional leaders. And that includes the church. And sometimes there's reason for that. Sometimes people do bad things, including pastors. But as a whole, we really do need to learn to listen. You need to learn to listen to your pastors because God has placed us, me as a pastor, in this church. I will be judged, the Bible tells us, for what I teach you. I don't take that lightly. I take that seriously. If you ask me a question about something, some answer that maybe some question that's really kind of tough and hard to answer and you're looking for an answer on that and um and I seem to hesitate in it and you perceive that as my lack of conviction about something it could be that that's a wrong perception it could be that scripture is more nuanced than the answer than you're looking for and I want you to understand the broader perspective of scripture in it and it's going to require more discussion or a longer conversation. Or maybe sometimes you ask me a question and you're hoping for one answer, but it's pretty straightforward and I give you a simple answer. You're like, oh, I didn't want to hear that. 
And so you don't like it and you don't want to listen to it. That doesn't mean it's not true. Right? My job isn't only just to, to preach and, then, and to give you information so that you go, hey, that was really nice. Sometimes my job is to convict you, to convict me, to preach so that, we, that we're led to repentance, right? That's what, that's what we read in our confession this morning. God wants our hearts to turn toward him. So sometimes you should leave kind of being uncomfortable. And yet it's my job. It's not always to tell you what makes you happy or what you want to hear, but to tell you what God's word says. And the same is true for me when others speak into my life. Because I'm not perfect. I have blind spots too. I still need to hear it. And whatever happens as people in the church and to your pastors, if there's some kind of disagreement or whatever, here's what we need to do. We both need to search the scriptures and stand on what we find. Stand on the word of God. That's what anchors us. That's what holds us. That's our guiding norm. If we don't have that, then we can do whatever we want. But this is what we have. You may think that um, from your pastor, sometimes that the advice that you were given just seems like it doesn't pay off. Like I tried it and it didn't work. Or it's just too hard. I don't know if it's worth it. Um, You may be thinking, I just can't keep going to church. I can't be involved in community with other believers when, when sometimes it hurts. Or I just don't have the energy to volunteer. Volunteer training is today. You just want to quit and take the easy road. I know that feeling too. Some of you saw my pictures when we were on vacation in Canada last week and we were hiking uh, on the path. It was both hard and rewarding. The trails were often steep. My heart was often pounding and my legs were burning as my eyes were looking at the trail, wondering if I was ever going to make it to the top. What am I doing? Is this worth it? And then we would hit a clearing of the trees into a high alpine meadow. All of a sudden, I forgot about my burning legs and my beating heart and my jaw just dropped and I just kept saying, wow, 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 what other words do I know? Wow, wow, I just awestruck at beauty and majesty. I put a few pictures in just to show you, to demonstrate, like sometimes you go along the trail and you get little glimpses of beauty. Oh, look at that lake down there. But you're like, it's clouded by the trees or covered by the trees and the majestic peaks are sort of cloudy. And then you go up to another level and there you're on the trail and you, there's the 10 peaks in the lake and you're like, whoa. Or you get a picture by the lake that's amazingly blue and the mountains reflect in it in a high alpine meadow and you're like, yes, this was so worth it. It was worth it. The endurance was worth it. The heart pounding, the aching legs, it was worth it. Because the view is worth it. The beauty the grandeur, the magnitude. Parenting is worth it. It's a never-ending job. From when your kids are little to when they're grown, it doesn't end. It changes, but it doesn't end. But it is worth it. Yes, there's sore muscles. There's times when your heart races and you don't know what's going to happen. But it's worth it. Keep going, parents. Endure. 
As I wrap up here, I want to remind you of one last thing that is critical. And so you need to hear it. You need to remember that receiving wisdom is receiving God himself. What do I mean by that? Early on in the series, Jake explained how wisdom is personified in God. That's how Proverbs treats it. Wisdom is not just ideas or thoughts, not just platitudes or little sayings you want to memorize. No, wisdom comes from God, is part of his very character, and so it is personified in him. And let me show you very quickly from the book of Colossians where it says this. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. My goal, Paul writes, is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of the complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want wisdom, you have to seek God. You have to seek Christ. When your kid has to keep up a streak on Snapchat or has to explore sexual seductions or gender questions or is blindly following with those of bad character, what is he or she doing? Looking for approval, looking for acceptance from friends, asking, who am I? Will somebody love me if I do this or if I am this way? And when people are unkind or cruel, it will drive anybody away and toward anything else or someone else that will love and accept them. What am I saying? I am saying that your children are approval seekers which is another way to say worshipers. And it's true because you and I are the same way. We are all seeking approval. We are all looking to worship something that will satisfy, that will make us feel worthy, accepted, loved. And there is only one thing that can do that ultimately, and that is God. God is wisdom. It is his character. He is the only one that can forever satisfy you and give you the approval that you long for. Be the desire that guides you in life. When I'm hiking along that trail, I needed to lift my eyes off the trail and off of stumbling rocks and to see the beauty before me. When life is hard, people, when life is hard, lift your eyes up. Lift your eyes up to see Jesus, to see the beauty of his wisdom. Lean on your team at church to help you walk through the trials of your life with endurance. And while we wrap up our series in Proverbs here, I have one challenge for you. It's clear that we are supposed to listen and to learn from Proverbs. That's its instruction all the way through. Why don't you make it part of your daily reading? It might be one proverb a day. I'm not saying read chapters. I would just read one, one verse. Maybe read it at breakfast with your kids or at dinner with your kids and talk about that proverb. What does that mean? What does it mean to be wise? How will we seek wisdom and beauty in life? And if you do that, remember, it should drive you to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be people who seek wisdom and beauty and people who find it in you. Because, Lord, you are the beautiful one. The one we just go, wow, wow, wow. Your goodness is great. Your grace is amazing. Your patience is enduring. 
So Lord, help us, whether in life, in our own life walking, or as parents, to impart wisdom to children, to see you and to point others to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.